Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Chicks Into the Pits. The 2020 championships are finally about to start after several months of total lack of on-track action and we couldn't be more excited. Um, before talking about the near future, however, we figured it would be cool to take a look at the sim racing season that is just coming to an end. Yeah, it was certainly unexpected but undoubtedly interesting and honestly new to the eyes of many and it crossed a wide range of categories and championships from Formula One to endurance and we even had like a full 24 hours of Le Mans. Many of the drivers we know took part in several online races and we cannot wait to share our opinions on the subject. Yeah, and then as the 2020 racing season is finally almost underway, we will take some time to make our absolutely unrequested predictions on what will happen from July onwards in our beloved championships. But without further ado, let's get down to business. So Marty, how many of the sim racing events have you actually followed? Because honestly, I've been on Twitch more than ever in my life. I actually made a Twitch account specifically for this purpose, but I don't know about you, to be honest. Yeah, you know, um, I too made um, uh, a Twitch account, but <laughs> honestly, it mainly was just to watch Lennon Norris play Call of Duty. Um, so <laughs> that wasn't really about the racing, but yeah, I I did follow some races, although I am very busy with the university and exams right now, so um, I've not been the most active, to be honest, and I haven't watched a lot, if, if I have to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a terrible time for, for us university students in Italy, is usually when our exam sessions really get into the way. Anyway, like, side note, Lando Norris is terrible at Call of Duty. Like, he isn't that good. Yeah. Like, let's face it, he isn't that good. Like, he shows he's not a pro at that. Yeah, um, but he's also super, super, I mean, he has super bad luck. Yeah, he always dies, but like sometimes it's because it's not so good. Sometimes it's just because that's bad luck. Like I cannot say I, I have watched that much of London Norris playing Call of Duty. <laughs> I think you should probably I don't know have a rain check or something about that. But uh, yeah, I mean also bad luck plays a part. Uh, by the way, Marcy, I was thinking that with before actually getting into the mood for this um we should and we have and we really feel like sparing a thought for Alex Zanardi yeah. um at, at the moment we are recording this is June 20 and this will go online as usual in June 27 so we got the news about Alex um two days ago now and um his conditions you know are stable but not particularly promising so I honestly hope that by the time this goes online, we will have better news, good news about him. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have much to say because um, I think none of us saw that coming. Um, but yeah, uh, I really hope by the by the moment this goes online, the, you know, his conditions will be a bit better. Yeah, honestly, like I was lucky enough to, to meet him and to be at a conference where he was in and um, Honestly, one of the most inspiring people I have ever met. Like, if people know us and follow us, then they know that we don't tend to not have uh, racing heroes, like people we actually look up to and role models in racing, because let's face it, like not many people are actually worth 
being role models <laughs> in racing. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Alex is actually a, a real role model for me and is someone I actually look up to in everyday life because, you know, he's the, the prime example of resilience. It's a word that is very misused in, uh, in modern times, but he is the embodiment of resilience. Yeah, he is absolutely inspirational for me too. So, yeah, I can agree. Yeah, it would have been nice to see how it would have fared uh, in sim racing as well. But I think that logistically, maybe it would have been a bit more difficult for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I don't think he, he didn't do any sim racing as far as I know, right? No, I haven't heard of anything. So. Yeah. Also because, I mean, he was preparing for the Olympics and he, he should have been, you know, preparing for this year's Olympics, which yeah. of course have been postponed. Uh, to 2021 so yeah he probably didn't even have time to do that but you know knowing him as far at least as far as we can know from you know public interviews and stuff like that um, he he likes everything that is new and everything that uh, involves youngsters in racing so I'm sure he would have appreciated sim racing as well yeah yeah for sure I, I, I mean he could have I don't know, if he had the time, maybe even watch some races, I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could have been. No, but honestly, like, um, you know, I, I've kind of changed my mind on sim racing in, um, in the past, in the past few months, to be honest. Like, before everything that, that went on in the past few months, uh, I didn't really care for sim racing. I was not an expert, not saying that I'm an expert now, to be honest. And um, yeah, it wasn't something that had any appeal to me. And also, you know, to be fair, I don't think I'm going to stick with sim racing now that real world racing comes in. But it was definitely like a good addition. And it's great that we follow a sport that actually allows this to happen. I mean, not everything can be done via esports. And we're lucky that we, we, we had a replacement for on-track racing. Like, can you imagine, I don't know, soccer or volleyball or stuff like that? It's not like you can do esports tournaments about that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, it was actually interesting also because, like, you, you actually have to have skill about this is yeah. not only about you know playing a video game it's not like playing fifa i mean we could have footballers playing fifa but fifa has absolutely nothing to do with actual football it's just about you know moving your your thumbs on a joystick well actually sim racing has you know transfers transfers a lot of that racecraft into the the virtual experience yeah, yeah, there must be a certain, I don't know, percentage of skill because, I mean, I couldn't do that, obviously. So, <laughs> yeah, if you put me on a simulator, I'm not sure I would do a good job. So, obviously, um, they need to have the skills. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't watched a lot, as I said before, but I quite enjoyed the few races I've watched. Um, I don't know if you did, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think I will stick with sim racing especially now that we're almost on the way with the season. But, you know, it was uh, a good replacement. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't have thought of anything better than that. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's also curious to know that, um, to notice 
that it actually started from the drivers themselves. I think that the very first instance of sim racing in quarantine I've seen was Jean-Éric Byrne with uh, his Veloce team. You know, yeah. he's actually like the co-founder of an esports team, which is Veloce Racing. And they do not only do, uh, you know, sim racing, but also other types of esports. A, a great investment, a great venture, business venture, if you ask me. Um, anyway, yeah, he was like the first to propose that. He initially proposed that to the Formula E grid. Uh, and then basically everybody else jumped on the bandwagon. So, you know, props to Vern to actually, for actually thinking about that first. Um, no, but to be honest, it was also nice to see how, you know, the, the skill set is partially transferable, but it's also uh, a com completely new from, from a certain point of view. I mean, you, you may have noticed, Marty, that I actually try to interview um, a lot of real life drivers and ask them about sim racing, at least those invested in sim racing. And basically everyone was like, we cannot compete with professional sim racers. Like we definitely <laughs> fare better than the average person because a certain amount of racecraft uh, gets invested in sim racing and it works. So they do better and they can, you know, be on some kind of a playing field, on a level playing field with sim racers, professional sim racers, but they cannot be as fast as them. And I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you when you do something, it's always good to look at the differences in what you're doing. Like if you're racing on track, it's obviously different from sim racing. Even though the basis is the same, you're doing a completely different thing. Like the circumstances are completely different. So I'm sure that like sim racers do that for a living, I think. So um, yeah, absolutely. Like the practice, you know, a copious amount of hours every day. I've heard about, I don't know, five to six hours every day of practicing. And I mean, practice makes perfect. There's a reason why they are actually professionals doing this. Yeah. And they're not just the average gamer on Twitch. So, yeah, it was actually a very interesting reality. And, you know, even between drivers, there are some very good drivers at this and yeah. there are some very bad drivers. <laughs> it, it was also it was also very nice to see. And, you know, at first I actually thought that um, we could have seen like an actual difference between young drivers and old drivers, having old drivers, you know, adapting in a more difficult way. Uh, compared to young drivers, but actually, I don't know if you noticed, but you know, age has almost nothing to do uh, with with practice and with being talented on uh, on the sim rig. Like, of course, there were very young and very proficient drivers. I mean, I'm thinking about Lando and about um, Max Verstappen and about Kelvin van der Linde as well. Honestly, like the best streamer in my opinion. He's a GT3 driver. Not many yeah. people know about him. He's an Audi factory driver. But I think he was like the most professional streamer apart from people <laughs> with, you know, bigger resources. I mean, Lando Norris, of course, has more resources than Kelvin Mandelinde. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed his streams. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, they were very good, but they were very good because, you know, they had more practice. They are actually also part of an actual esports team, the best esports team in the world, which is Team Redline. Um, 
but we also had very good drivers who are not necessarily young or in their prime. I'm yeah. thinking about Philip Peng, which basically destroyed the Inter <laughs> Championship. Like he was amazing. Like nobody, nobody could ever step a foot in front of him. Amazing, and he also fared very well in. Like I think it was the first virtual Grand Prix, the official Formula One virtual Grand Prix that he raced for Red Bull because Alex Albon, no, Max Verstappen didn't participate. And he was like on pole, I think, and he ended up P3 or something like that. So Philip Eng was amazing and he's certainly not the, the, the youngest of driver. And then who are who were the other drivers being not so young but very good? Oh, God, I don't know. I was thinking that um, George Russell was very good, but obviously he's very young. So um, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any other not so young driver. I mean, I think that actually, like, considering the, the, the amount of practice he had, I think that James Calado fared pretty well in the Formula E Race at Home Challenge. And it went a bit under the radar. And basically, Calado didn't have a sim rig before the, this entire quarantine season. Like, he never practiced because he actually never had a sim rig in his home. Really? And, yeah. And he had, you know, copious um, points finish. I think he also ended up on the podium, like, once or twice. And it was a very, a very good, you know, performance considering he had no previous experience in sim racing. So yeah, it, it went a bit under the radar, but I think it was impressive nonetheless. And how old is he? Uh, Calado is like 31, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's um, 1989. So yeah, 31. Not, not exactly in his prime. I mean, uh, yeah. racing... Is, is a very you know young sport so uh, at least in, in recent years it, it, it didn't used to be like that but yeah it is now uh and then yeah you know i mean george you were saying about george russell and he's certainly impressed in the formula one virtual grand prix but to be honest i think that the virtual grand prix series was the least enjoyable of all these sim racing events yeah, like I, I probably watched like one race not even an entire race the one where philip bank was involved to be honest <laughs> and and then quit because i mean First of all, for the, the Formula One game is not an actual simulation game. It's a video game. You can play on mobile, you can play yeah. on your PlayStation, you know, with a, with just joystick and be done with it. Like it, it has almost no simulation. I don't think it has force feedback or if it has like it's very minimal. It has minimal tire deck, minimal damage. I mean, it's not anything like Assetto Corsa or iRacing or R Factor. I'm not saying I was an expert before, but, you know, I've started to get on with the terminology in the past two months. <laughs> so I can actually form an opinion about this. And yeah, and I mean, they completely devalued the championship in the moment where they have, you know, these VIP guests. That oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I wanted they, to talk about that. It was ridiculous. Like, to be honest, for example, like, I couldn't 
I, I couldn't fail to notice that there were no female sim racers and they could have, you know, actual ra female racers do the virtual Grand Prix because, I mean, Sofia Fleurs, I don't like Sofia, but she's doing virtual challenges. Uh, Jamie Chadwick did the Veloce Esports series, um, all the nice V series. Yeah, exactly. Like all the V series is doing sim racing. And I mean, Formula One didn't even think about getting one of these girls on board. Like, I'm not even thinking about, you know, the lesser known names in V series, but literally, like Jamie Chadwick, you can have Jamie Chadwick, which, by the way, is a Williams driver. So, like, come on. And, and they decide to have Louis Fonsi instead of. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, Liam Payne actually wore, I don't know, an off-white outfit and called it a, a racing suit. And it was like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, and he was ridiculous. He was like, I think he got blue flags twice, something like that. So, I mean, seriously, that completely devalued the championship, in my opinion. And honestly, I think that many people believe the same. Yeah, I mean, that was quite... I don't know. It was quite absurd. Um, like, I don't know. I mean, you could have some quite, I mean, some drivers, some real drivers at least, uh, playing in your car. But <sighs> Liam Payne, Louis Fonsi, guys, I mean, what? It was, it was honestly kind of ridiculous. And I mean, I can understand um, when we had, you know, footballers and stuff like that, because they actually got involved in sim racing, like I'm thinking about Thibaut Courtois, uh, you know, the goalkeeper, Marcy. Oh, of course, yeah, you don't. I don't even know who he is. But... <laughs> yeah, you don't. I mean, I heard uh, Landon Norris talk about him or talk to him while they were playing Call of Duty, I think, if <laughs> I remember correctly, but uh, I had no idea who he is because Lando kept saying, like, Courtois, Courtois, and I was, what, <laughs> what who the fuck is that? No, it's about soccer, Marty. I know it's a difficult concept for, to grasp for you, but yeah, <laughs> he's a goalkeeper. By the okay. way, like he had lots of experience. Like he actually contested the 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 Veloce series as well, and he fared pretty well. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, also, Alessio Romagnoli, I think, um, played as well, and yeah, it was interesting. I mean, as long as it makes sense. But when you actually have to pitch someone with a sim rig just for the race like they did with I don't know Liam Payne and Luis Fonsi it's not like they were you know playing sim racing in their spare time and then they hopped in because they're famous <laughs> no they were actually pitched to do this and I think that was like an absolutely counterintuitive choice so yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't agree with that well I think it was very interesting also the um, the race all-star series because they have they had this legends trophy and um i don't know if you followed that marty but it was basically you know reserved for a bit of old school drivers there was emanuele pirro for example david coulthard i think and also sebastian vettel actually contested in a round and, you know, that was an amazing event, to be honest. And the, the entire trophy, the entire series worked very well. And I think basically almost everything was well organized, except the Formula One virtual Grand Prix. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that, um, first of all, to answer your question, no, I haven't watched it. 
um, I realized I'd missed it. I'd missed like the one time I could see Sebastian Vettel doing something um, off track. Um, so yeah, uh, I realized uh, they had done this just, um, I don't know, after it ended. So yeah, um, typical Martina. And uh, yeah, but I think that in general, the overall racing, like virtual racing season was quite well organized. Yeah, I mean, they they did a good job considering that most championships were not prepared for this. Like, uh, of course, nobody could expect what was coming. So they, they kind of scrambled together pieces. And I think, I think it actually worked quite well. Um, of course, there were many controversies uh, sprouting for this. And honestly, I don't know about you, but I did not expect so much drama, Marty. Like, people lost their jobs because yeah. of stuff to, done in sim racing. Like, and irregardless of, of where you guys stand on the topic, like, it's crazy when you think about it. It may be wrong, it may be right, uh, but it's just, you know, it's kind of surreal if you think about it. And, of course, the prime example is Daniel Abt. Yeah. Uh, also because I think that uh, what happened to him was probably the most controversial of these, you know, uh, sucking, firing processes because uh, Kyle Larson, you know, the NASCAR driver, yeah. was fired as well. But, I mean, he was fired because he was an actual idiotic racist yeah, yeah, on, on live television. I mean, you cannot just get away with saying the N-word, especially in America, but honestly, everywhere else in what the world. What a f- idiot, guys. Yeah. I don't mean, ever say that. Don't ever do racist jokes, please. I, I might what? come and kill you. It, it it makes absolutely no sense. And it's like so idiotic, to be honest. I, I cannot find any better word to express this. So I doubt that anybody cried over Kyle Larson being fired from NASCAR. And I think that was actually like a, a very good step forward for NASCAR. Because to be yeah. honest, Marty, like... I, I wasn't particularly interested in the sporting side of NASCAR anyway, because I don't like oval racing. So, yeah, it's not like Na- NASCAR interests me that much. But the thing with NASCAR is I never even tried watching it because I was so held back by the, the background that NASCAR yeah. has. That was like... Mm, that's not that's not something I want to be associated with. I mean, you have it all. You have racism. You have discrimination. You have sexism. You have uh, I don't know. Basically everything. I mean, people were actually going to NASCAR with Confederate flags. Oh. Like and NASCAR had to ban Confederate flags from events. And like, I heard it- that someone that someone protested when they banned those flags. Yeah, absolutely. Like no, people were crazy. mad. People it's were like, mad. Like no, put Donald Trump into a NASCAR car and that's it. Like guys, come on. And I mean, the the craziest thing is that, as far as I know, I think that you know the the only other um, black driver at a you know pretty high level professional level in the world, except for Lewis Hamilton, is in NASCAR. In is in his yeah. Papa Wallace. And I mean, I don't think there are many high-profile drivers, black high-profile drivers, except Hamilton and Bubba Wallace. Obviously not, because that's an extremely racist and privileged word, so... Exactly. (laughs) 
I was like, how how did people even cope? Like, uh, and they were outraged because he actually um, went on track with, I don't know, a Black Lives Matter livery. And they were outraged. And I was like, why should you be Fucking outraged? But, you know, it's actually a pretty common sentiment. And I've seen this argument, like... Um, pretty much everywhere to be honest and people are like people should stick to racing and stay out of politics and you know i mean we're not talking about politics i'm not you know campaigning for a party or another party that's basic human rights i don't consider this to be politics to be honest like saying that black lives matter or that women should be allowed the same work opportunities as men is that politics to you marty Are you even asking that to me? Like, are you even asking that? <laughs> I don't understand why people consider this to be politics. Like saying that another human being is equal to, to, to me because, and the fact that he has a different skin color or a different gender doesn't make any difference. Apparently it is considered a political stance, not just a basic human rights, you know, basic common decency. So yeah, by the way, apparently I get political. <laughs> oh yes. Don't, don't even get me started on this because I already snapped on, I mean, on quite, quite a lot of social media. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite fine with how, how I did the thing. So don't, don't get me started on this because you know how I am when I, when I snap. So yeah, no, I mean, we should, we should go back to, to, to sim race. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, apparently some of these stances, you know, even what Baba Wallace did. So, you know, a person of color actually campaigning with, you, you know, his fellow people of color having a special livery. And apparently this was, you know, something very strange. <laughs> To Americans, I have no idea. I, I will never understand Americans, to be honest. But anyway, yeah, the, the fact is that sim racing also brought to light things that people did not expect to have uh, that much of an impact. Like, honestly, what happened to Daniel, I don't know about the opinion you formed, Marty, but I think it was, you know, some kind of a domino effect. Like, uh, I don't think that what Daniel did was that dead serious but i also don't think that audi could have done anything differently after the complete shitstorm that resulted from what daniel did um to be honest i i did follow something but like um i, I was not so involved to be honest um not because i was not interested but because i was very busy very very busy in the last few days and i haven't had the time to open social media literally Um, so, could you please remind me <laughs> to yeah, no, recap of what happened? No problem. No, so, it also a recap for, you know, our listeners who maybe didn't catch up with the latest news. So, basically, what happened is that uh, on the penultimate round of the Race at Home Challenge, which, uh, you know, this must be noted, was actually an official Formula E event. So, drivers were compelled to participate and they were representing their teams and they were representing Formula E. So it was not just an iRacing tournament. Um, basically, what Daniel did was be, um, be replaced by a professional sim racer for the race. And of course, this professional sim racer had you know, far better results 
Daniel Abt didn't fare so well until that point. And then he incredibly got, I don't know, pole position and a podium or stuff like that. So people were, of course, you know, kind of surprised. Also because Formula E was very clear in distinguishing the so-called challenge grid, which was reserved for sim racers, basically, and the actual Formula E grid, which were reserved for their drivers. So Daniel did, did this. And he basically used some kind of, you know, sketchy, sketchy subterfuges to hide this. Like he planted a microphone in front of the camera so they, you, the, the video feed could not identify the fact that he was not in fact driving. Yeah, yeah I remember tried, something. Yeah, he basically tried to, to bail out of, you know, interviews and stuff like that. Um, but, and, you know, what resulted was... Formula E found out via IP address checking that it wasn't actually Daniel driving and they disqualified him and they banned him from the virtual championship and then the thing was completely blew out uh, in the media and basically Audi decided to to fire him like a day after this so he actually lost his seat uh, it is real life seat uh, the thing is that later he came up with um, with an apology video, you know, YouTuber style, because yeah. Daniel is also some kind of a YouTuber. He's basically an influencer in Germany or something like that. Like he's very famous apparently in Germany, uh, not only for, you know, Formula E racing. And basically he came up with this apology and he came up out with um, proof that people knew that this was a prank like he is also a twitch streamer and he has you know a huge following on twitch as well and the day before the the event he said on twitch i'm going to pull this prank and he detailed the prank but of course he did not tell to audi he did not tell to formula e he did not tell to anybody just the the twitch subscri subs ah, subscribers knew um so, yeah, and I mean, it was convincing because, to be honest, it was the truth. But the thing is, it was it was kind of an idiot move, an idiot move. Like, he, it was stupid. It was honestly something very stupid, but it wasn't malicious in any Yeah, yeah um, now that you told me everything, I think it was definitely a domino effect. But, like, the consequences maybe were a bit too harsh on him um, for what he did. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, many, many people came to the conclusion, honestly, myself included, that, you know, Audi also kind of, you know, surfed this wave because they actually wanted to sack him. Like, yeah. to be honest, like his position in the championship at the end of the season wasn't so certain. He, he did not fare well compared to his teammate, Lucas de Grassi, which is also like a Formula E champion. Um, so, yeah, I mean... The rumors in the paddock were saying that Audi was not pleased with Daniel's results anyway, which, of course, you know, would have been a, a kind of a difficult position because Daniel Abt, I mean, the surname might sound familiar <laughs> to basically anybody. Like, they are actually detailing the sport models for Audi. Like, he, his family is heavily involved in Audi road car business and is also uh, partially funding the Formula E team. So you understand that sacking a person of this caliber is never easy for a team. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, nobody was knew what was going to happen, of course, but it was definitely a big convenience for Audi as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that too. Yeah, it's uh, it makes sense. Uh, I don't think it's correct, it's fair, but it makes sense. So. Yeah, but honestly, like in the end, what else would you have done, you know, if we, yeah. if we were in Audi instead? I mean, we can understand this. Like, we know it isn't fair, but we also can understand this because anyway, you cannot be associated with a cheater, with someone who cheated while yeah. representing the team because he was representing the team. It, it wasn't just, you know, a friendly tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a different occasion, I mean, the consequences surely would have been different, but... Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so, should we move on to some predictions uh, for this year? Or did you want to say something more about sim racing? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think we made our point with sim yeah. racing pretty clear, Marty. No, I mean, it, I, I don't know about you, but I find it so difficult to make, uh, you know, actually substantiated predictions for yeah, 2020. Yeah, I mean, you just have to, to I don't know, to, to say some... So, some shit some stuff, I don't know, stuff. anything you want. <laughs> some crazy stuff. No, to be honest, one thing that has been doing the rounds, but I don't think it's so unrealistic, like it's a far stretch, but not so unrealistic, is Max Verstappen being a title contender for this yeah. year. Like, yeah. I, I don't say I would put my money on that, but, you know, I don't think it's so surreal. Yeah, I wouldn't put my money on that. I mean, on Max uh, winning the championship, but I would put my money on Max being a title contender this year. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we have, uh, of course, we're starting with a with a circuit that is very familiar to him, which is also yeah. you know an advantage. Honestly, I'm very happy about the double header in uh, in Spielberg because I really like that track. It's a, it's a kind of an unpopular opinion. Like people tend to be, you know, warm about the track. People do not love it. People do not hate it. I actually really love it, like a lot. Um, so I'm happy about it. But of course, it's a, it's a place where Max feels very comfortable. And, and you know, the the whole thing about the championship, like I feel that especially in recent years, uh, Lewis has been a slow burner. You know, he starts not so well and then he really picks up the pace and he goes, you know, full throttle at the end of the championship, in the final stages of the championship. And of course, with such a condensed calendar, uh, I think that Lewis should really look out for this. Like, he could not play the same effect that he had in previous years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's everything. Everything is very condensed um, this year. So, yeah, he might want to change strategy if he wants to win. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, um, I would say I predict a pretty shitty here. But hey, <laughs> that's just my <laughs> chronic pessimism speaking. Um, yeah, I mean, jokes aside, um, I'm sure I will keep an eye on Max because. Not because I like him so much, but uh, because I really think he can be a title contender. I really think he can uh, challenge Lewis. And um, if he doesn't, I will be disappointed. Um, but I will surely keep an eye on McLaren too. Um, I mean, as I always do. <laughs> hoping that they do good. Um, and I genuinely hope 
that Ferrari won't act as complete clowns. Um, but uh, that, we know that certain. there is no certainty here. Like we know that. Um, Marty, you're setting your expectations way too high. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, <laughs> like you cannot expect that from Ferrari. Like realistically, anyway, yeah, it's going to be a weird year for Ferrari for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure about that. Also because, uh, and well, especially because I have no idea what the relations between Ferrari and Vettel are at the moment. Um, so we'll we'll have to see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, Italian insider media, and I'm, you know, quoting insider media, <laughs> um, actually you know, think that the relationship is already rocky, is already crumbling. To be honest, I, I don't feel like Seb is the type to completely f*** up a, an entire championship season just because he's unhappy or he's he's a bit pissed. Like, Absolutely. I don't think he's the type. Like, we can discuss about motivation. Like, maybe he will not be as motivated as we know him. And we're you know we're just making hypotheses really because you know it could be the absolute opposite but i'm thinking about his last year with red bull like he wasn't in in a completely different state of mind but he, i don't think he would ever go as far as to actually sabotage anything yeah. <laughs> like he's just not the type like he doesn't strike you as the type uh, so yeah i don't think he's going to sh sabotage charles because it wouldn't make no. sense and to be honest like it would be a pretty pretty bad um ending to his career because of course we're going towards the end of his career and i think it just will leave a very you know sour taste and it's it's not something that seb wants and i don't think he's even capable to so i personally don't believe this yeah, I mean, he's surely not an asshole. Um, he's surely one of the most unproblematic um, drivers on the grid. Um, so I don't think he will make uh, that much of a fuss about anything. But yeah, I mean, to me, he looks like the person who prefers to talk about problems privately and not show it um to the whole world so uh, i yeah, don't think absolutely. like 100% he's not going to sabotage anything for anyone yeah absolutely i i completely agree you know for for the rest of the grid i don't think there's much that we can say like really it's just so difficult to to see predictions because of course we had you know a little taste uh, during winter testing but i mean despite uh, the lockdown and despite the forced break from um, from you know actually working on the car the team still worked on the cars for a month i think in total so the cars are at a completely different point to what we saw in winter testing yeah uh, so yeah, I think it's very difficult to make predictions. And to be honest, it's also difficult, like in Formula E, for example. Uh, I mean, Formula E's calendar is something really out of a nightmare, to be honest. Like, <laughs> they're going to have, I, do, I don't know if you've heard about this, Martina, but basically they're going to have six consecutive races in what? the span of, Yeah, six consecutive races in the span of nine days. Nine days, I'm telling you. What? And, yeah, absolutely crazy. And all at the same track. They're being hosted by the Temple of 
airport in Berlin, uh, which was honestly like the, the best possible choice for this particular uh, calendar, because, you know, being so spacey, so ample, basically what you can do is have, you know, at least three different configurations. So it won't be the, exactly the same track for all six races. Basically, it will change every two races, but it's still absolutely crazy. First of all, because it's going to be like a total burnout for the entire team, like not only drivers, but mechanics and basically everybody will be dead at the end of these nine days. And um, also because I think this completely changes whatever balance the season had in terms of, you know, championship fight and whatever, like potentially uh there will be more like there will be more races in berlin than what formula one did uh, formula e did at the start of the season like we managed to have five races at the start of the season before lockdown and we're having six races in berlin so potentially even somebody who hasn't been in the championship fight so far could still win the championship just in berlin yeah just by doing the races in Berlin. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult for drivers because, you know, every driver has tracks they're comfortable in and tracks they really don't like. It's only natural because it yeah. depends on their driving style. And so, yeah, imagine like having a title contender who is not particularly competitive in Berlin. Like you basically jeopardize the entire work you did before that that's that's absolutely you, you know bananas in my opinion but. <laughs> yeah but like six consecutive races in nine days is it like is this real um no, is, it, do that? Is, is it legal it's absolutely crazy and like you can only imagine how much work we're going to have on the in the formula re department like you know article after article we're going to be like oh, oh my yeah. god we, we we cannot stop for even a second but anyway yeah that's the reality of formula re right now and it's going to be like a very strange championship at the moment antonio felix da costa is the championship leader for tichita but honestly like really having any prediction at this point is absolutely crazy because you know the results can be completely turned upside down in the course of nine days yeah like after hearing this i really thank god that i'm not part of the editorial staff of formula e because <laughs> guys yes, you lucky you yeah i mean no, no it's going to be you. insane and it's also like a very big trial for formula e because they actually uh released the 2021 calendar for next year and they are officially becoming a, an FIA sanctioned world championship like it did not have the world championship status yeah. um, until basically this year so yeah it's going to be like one hell of a one hell of a trial for them and yeah honestly like if I have to be completely honest in my opinion talking about you know performance competitiveness championship fights this year really isn't that consequential like i'm happy that people go back on track of course you know partially as a fan and as someone you know involved 
uh, at, at, at a certain extent in this business, like I can understand and we can understand the importance of actually being on track and running the car because there's a lot of money involved and yeah. a lot of jobs at stake. So it's very important. But I wouldn't stress about the, the championship fights or anything like that. Also, because, you know, no driver will have the same level of performance. They've been, you know, out of the track and out of the cars for months now. It's impossible to expect that much from them yeah yeah you're right uh, i honestly um didn't think so much about it but um uh, it makes sense yeah they they are certainly not so trained anymore yeah i mean there's some things you can maintain but others you just cannot like for example in single in single seaters especially in formula one like g-forces on your neck like you can do neck training but it's nothing compared to the cars, so yeah. I, I expect a lot of issues with that. Yeah, I'm sure they're training like crazy because they have to make up for um, the the on-track time they lost. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but poor boys. We'll have to wait and see, poor boys. Yeah, next time we'll have uh, the next podcast episode. Like, we will we will be in, on holiday together. Marty, we can finally record the podcast episode yeah. together. <laughs> Like, let's hope I can buy those f- um, <laughs> ticket flights because, yeah, like, the, the prices, guys, are so high. I don't know if that's because of the coronavirus situation or anything, but the prices are crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, let's hope yeah. I can do that. That's amazing. So, guys, we're, we're leaving you until next month. And uh, yeah, there will be a special episode because we will actually be filming in the same room, in the same house, instead of, you know, via Skype, as we're doing now. So thank you very, very much for tuning in for this episode. And we will have time to, you know, do some commentary on actual races as well. So amazing. Um, So we'll see you in July. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you on the 27th. Goodbye.